my goodness. I have just been touched by the Holy Spirit. Touched. The Holy Spirit is beautiful. The Holy Spirit is beautiful, is pure, is is just wow. Let me tell you how I was touched by the Holy Spirit. So I was led to post the verse of the day, um, which is Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And Jesus said to them, come with me and be my disciples. Then I will teach you how to catch people instead of fish. So the context of this verse was that Jesus was, you know, by the water and he's seen some fishermen and, um, you know, they was catching fish. That was their job. They was throwing their nets and everything. And Jesus being the wise, 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 wise prophet that he is told them, yo, listen, I see y'all mad skilled at catching these fish. <laughs> I see y'all know how to do y'all thing. Y'all know how to throw the net. Y'all know how to get the fish up. Y'all know how to grab them up and not let one go out of y'all sight. Well, follow me. And I'm going to teach y'all how to be a fisher of men rather than a fisherman. That parable, like, it, it shook my soul. Because as... A disciple of Jesus Christ, it is up to us to be fishers of men. Um, and one of my one of my godly sisters, the nun, she um, she had brought this up in, in one of her spiritual uh, reads the other day, and it just kept playing in my mind over and over and over to the point to where I felt led to read the verse for myself. And um, that's what we do. We capture people as disciples of Christ by our actions, by our love, by our tenderness, by our forgiveness, by our humility, by the ability to be vulnerable, to show our true hand, to wear our hearts on our sleeves. Wearing your heart on your sleeve is how you get the purple heart, right? The heart of triumph triumphing over this life that makes us want to be, you know, these hard uh, people who are always planning, plotting, and strategizing on how we can find power over one another, but that's not how it works in the kingdom of heaven. You see, we all have power. I have my individual powers, you have your individual powers, they have theirs. And we come together, we put our powers together to glorify the Lord, right? So I was just so inspired to do this episode called The Calling. I'll share a little personal about me and then we'll go into some Bible study. So in regard to me, I always had the presence of God in my life from the very beginning, even before. And this scripture, you know this one, you know, God says that he knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. Well, he's right, because my great-grandfather was a bishop of a church in Brooklyn. And my grandfather, who ended up being, you know, a father for me throughout my life, he always would bring me to church. I mean, every time that he would come and pick me up from Brooklyn and bring me back upstate at his house, he would always bring me to church. And I mean, he would make sure that I was decked out. My hair was done. My nails was done. I had a cute outfit. Like, he would always just really bring me to church and really just show me. Like, like my grandfather, I just want to take a minute to just give honor to my grandfather. My grandfather was a true disciple of God a true man of God. And I can say that proudly because nobody is perfect. Everybody makes their mistakes. Everybody has their ways. But one thing about my grandfather is my grandfather put God first at all times. God was always first. Even when he was struggling with his own, you know, 
strives and, and, and temptations. He, he never lost sight of God. And therefore, God never lost sight of my grandfather. So rest in peace to my angel, my warrior, my protector. Thank you. I thank you so much for teaching me how to be a teacher, for showing me that even when life knocks you down 10 times, that you can get back up and that you can try and you can fight and you can fight through your own adversities, your own battles, but still be out here, be loving on people, be showing people the way. Even if you have a hard time following the way yourself, is is not tampering people, it's not damaging people, it's bringing God to them, bringing God to their face. So thank you. Thank you so much to my grandfather. Thank you. Thank you. My, my great-grandmother, I was with her um, when she got saved. And my great-grandmother got saved maybe in her 70s, 80s-ish. We were walking um, in Park Slope, and we were passing this church, a big, huge church. And um, ironically, it was right across the street from a hospital, which now that I'm older is, is so symbolic. Wow. But they were having a flea market, right? And this is how God, oh my God. God is so good. Like, like I'm really sitting here and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yo, God know how to get you. Like, <laughs> because my grandmother loved flea market. <laughs> she loved market. She loved shopping. She had a shopping problem. And that day, that day, the church was having a flea market. And we met Sister Marie. And Sister Marie, you know, was like, you know, we were looking at the jury and stuff that they had. And Sister Marie was, you know, just like really enticing my grandmother with the word, you know, with the word of God and just being nice and friendly. And them two made a friendship. And ever since then, she was like, you know, hey, do you have a church home? You should come here. And lo and behold, that became our church home. Like a lot of the big crazy things that I've done in my lifetime, like skiing and and going on church trips and Passion of the Christ and all these things, I did it with the church. I did it with the church and with my great-grandma. It was me and my great-grandma on the top of, what was it? Blue Mountain? Blue Mountain in, in Pennsylvania, I think. I had my great-grandma on the mountain skiing. She wasn't skiing, but she was on the mountain watching me ski. <laughs> oh, my great-grandmother. Wow. My great... Oh, wow. My great-grandmother, man. Beautiful person. Beautiful soul. Beautiful, beautiful soul. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I became very involved with the church, like... Like, like, I, like I said, church trips, I was a praise dancer, I was in the choir, I was in Sunday school, I was in Bible study, I had got re-baptized. I decided to get baptized myself at around 12, 13 years old, and my grandmother made like little candles and programs. Oh. <sighs> it was just, it was amazing. And they gave me, I remember they gave me a white Bible after I had got um, baptized again. And the pastor, his wife, their family, like that was like a real church family. However, um, as I got older, as I got older, I, you know, started to kind of stray and so did a lot of the other church kids, but I noticed that they were very harsh, you know, like with like rumors and stuff. And it, it hardened my heart towards the church and I ended up not going anymore. Um, then my family, my aunts, they had went to um, they had went to a church in their neighborhood because we had recently moved a little further in um, in Brooklyn, and we started going to this church. It was it's a beautiful church, a small church, but a beautiful church, and they had beautiful songs and praise and this and that. It was just amazing. I didn't get too involved with it, but. The messages would just always be for me, and, and we would go faithfully. I would even go to church by myself. I would walk, you know, by myself to go, because I would just be so delighted to be around, you know, people who are also searching for God. Um, 
and eventually I, I stopped going there for, you know, other reasons that we don't even need to go into. But I started to realize that scripture, I started to realize that I was becoming more and more of a Hebrew Israelite because I was getting so captivated by the word of God when I started to read the Bible from front to back. When I read the Bible page by page, chapter by chapter, like like literally taking my time and dissecting every chapter, every story, and and finding, you know, the human error in my own ways and my own character is like God was it was like God was operating on me. God was operating on me, showing me, you know, my ways where I was hurting myself. One thing about me around my whole lifetime is I would never hurt anybody else. That would not be me. And if I did, it was definitely an accident, you know, something that I did not do intentionally. However, I would hurt myself. I would always take out my anger and my pain on myself. And like I said, the more that I was reading the scriptures, it was like God was operating on me, my mind, my soul, my body. And it led me to a journey of sanctification. So I was on a vow of celibacy. I, you know, wasn't, wasn't eating holy foods. If it wasn't a holy food, I was not eating it. I was celebrating the Sabbaths. Like I was living in the Old Testament when I was in the Old Testament. Um, and I, I had a lot of like visions, dreams, you know, God was really present. The Holy Spirit was present. Like the Holy Spirit was present. I'll say that two times. <laughs> um, and I just started to see, you know, more about myself. And it's like the more elevated that I became spiritually, um, the more wisdom that the Most High had bestowed upon me. And once I finished reading the entire Bible and I realized like I wanted more, I needed to know more. What, what else? What else is there? I started to read the biblical canons. So Book of Enoch, Book of Thomas, uh, Book of Mary Magdalene. Like I would search because there was pieces missing and lo and behold, there was. There was some pieces missing. Um, there was some tampering with a lot of the words and the meanings. And then I started to get into the Strong's Accordance. Uh, I wanted to know, well, what is the the etymology of this Hebrew word or this Aramaic word or this Greek word, right? Like, I I, I was really into it. I, I can't lie. I was really into it. Um, and what it did was it stripped me from my old environment, my old life, my old friends and like family members and stuff like that. Um, and to me, I, I wouldn't see it in a negative way, even though, like I said, because it was painful, I was taking it negatively. But, you know, the further along I got along my spiritual journey, I realized that it was actually what is best, is what is best for my elevation. And just to love, you know, love everybody, like regardless of what anybody did, just love them. And that doesn't mean that you become a doormat, but it just means that, you know, you you forgive. You forgive because where God is trying to take people who are being called, right? Because obviously when God has done, what God has done in my life was made sure that he was a headstone everywhere, everywhere I went. No matter how far I strayed, no matter how much dirt I would cover myself in, it's like he will always be there. He will always be present to call me, calling out to me. And it was important for me to say, oh, I think he wants to know me, <laughs> you know? And, and like I said, when I read the scripture, I was like, oh, well, I was right. You know, reading about the daughters of Zion, reading about the disciples and, you know, um, reading about missionaries and things like that. So it just naturally became, it naturally became a point where God would do these miracles and blessings in my life. And I would be, I would be, I am, I can't even say I would be, I am still fascinated by the things that God has done in my life because it's been miracles, miracles. I mean, money that came out of nowhere, homes that came out of nowhere, 
um, friends, you know, jobs, opportunities that just came out of nowhere. And that was just the glory of God. That was God showing me like, come, come, my child, come. I'm calling you. I'm, I'm here for you. I'm riding with you. And I would just tell everybody, but I didn't realize that I was spreading the word of God. I was just telling them like my experience, you know, I was, just, I was, I was just, you know, glorifying the Lord, like everywhere that I go, like everybody who I met, I would tell them like, listen, let me tell you what happened to me the other day. And I, I wasn't putting two and two together that I was glorifying God every time that I told people about the miracles that God did for me, about how God saved me from myself, how God saved me from destruction, how God cleansed me and purified me and was there for me and, and picked me up when I was sad, when I was brokenhearted, when I was lonely, when I was confused. I was telling everybody these things and I would always bring it back to God. But I didn't realize that I was spreading the gospel of God. I was spreading the gospel. I was spreading the good news. And I'm like, whoa, whole time, <laughs> whole time. Like anybody that knows me, anybody that has ever talked to me in their life, one thing about it is I'm going to talk about God, whether that's coworkers. I don't care if we're at work. I don't care. I'm having, I'm having godly sayings around my office. I'm talking about God. If, if I'm, if I'm with students, I'm teaching them about God. I'm teaching them about Jesus. I don't care. At the end of the day, you have to be strong and firm in what you believe. And I strongly and firmly believe that the children need to know about God from a very young age. They need to know. Now, granted, it's not for us to force it down their throats or force them to be into nothing. No. But when they when they come into your classroom and they see a scripture, they're like, oh, what's this? What's this about? Oh, okay. Well, you know, I'm Catholic. We, you know, we go to Sunday school. We like, I literally would make connection with connections with my students over God because a lot of them were actually already Christians, uh, Jewish, Baptist, you know, Catholics, whatever they were already. And even like the students who were Muslim, I would let them know, trust me, trust them, believe it. We all serve in the same God, the, the Quran and, and every, the Quran, the Bible, the Torah, they all the same. They all the same. It, it gets a little bit muddy, but that's just because of human error. It's not that the scriptures are different for each. No, they're all the same. How do I know? Because when I was journeying for God before my my Israelite experience, I read the Quran. I read the Torah. I like I literally read the Kabbalah. I read all of this stuff before. You know what I'm saying? So when you put them all together, you're like, bro, what? That's the same thing. Right. And that that is a, a that is a, a, a confusion by the enemy, you know, to make people think that we're all serving these different gods. No, if you think that your God is the highest of the highest of the highest of the highest God that there is who controls the universe, who sends disciples, who sends prophets, then no, we believe in the same God. If you believe that God is for us and not against us, we believe in the same God. If you believe that God will, will lead you through the hardest times in your life and all you have to do is love and light and be a good person, then we believe in the same God. Like That is all devices of the enemy to have us confused and thinking that we're serving different gods. No, they're all the same. So even like I said, with, with my Muslim students, it would be the same thing. It would be the same exact thing. Like We would all just get so inspired, you know, like just by... Just random conversations. And again, it wouldn't be forced or like, you know, like, oh, we need to talk about God. Like, nah, if we were reading a book and it has some uh, spiritual context, then, then it would be a conversation starter. It would be a teacher moment. And I love that. So every, like I said, anywhere I went, everywhere I go, you know that I was a very, 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 very spiritual person. And I don't know why I'm speaking in past tense. We're not doing that. Um, anyways, so after a while, I started to realize that God wanted more from me. God wanted more from me. God, God seen something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I didn't see it in myself because a lot of people didn't really see it in me either. Some people did, but, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't. And... It's so much easier for us to gravitate towards what's negative than what's positive because the negative feels more comfortable sometimes, right? So, for example, I'm more of a back, you know, behind the scenes type of person. Like, I could create a whole production and be behind the scenes. And, and if everybody loves it, I love it. You feel me? And I feel like that humbleness, that meekness um, was really getting in my way. 
You know, it was getting in my way and it was preventing what God wanted me to do. So, for example, when, you know, I lost my job and everything due to COVID-19, which was a spiritual war, mind your business. um, (sighs) I started my podcast and I was just pretty much defending my rights as a Christian, you know, like. Nah, you can't make me go against, you know, my, 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 my father, my teacher. Like, what? Nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not with it. And I wrote on it. I wrote on it. I stood on it and I wrote on it because my moral principle, my moral code, my moral structure is very, very strong. Very strong, which is why I don't tolerate, you know, suspicious things, malicious things, sneaky things. Like, I don't tolerate that because it is is uh blurring my moral code so i don't if something is not clear then i'm not with it well then god had just kept calling me you know calling me to go further and further with the podcast so then i did i think i did a bible a bible series a mini bible series and i was talking about you know all our forefathers and stuff like that and all our foremothers and As I was doing that, I didn't realize that God was delivering me, literally, the Holy Spirit. Because I began to speak in tongues. I began to be able to cast out demons, you know. Um, And again, this is stuff that we all can do. This is not like, ooh, crazy stuff. Like, no, we all can do this. This is scripture. I'm not sure why everybody just has a hard time believing what is written in the scriptures, but say that they're Christian. The word, the word says that in that time, I will begin to pour out dreams and visions on, on the sons and daughters. Why, when people are telling you that they having dreams and visions, you don't believe it or you have a problem with it? That's scripture. And that's from like Isaiah. That's, that's from the Old Testament. So I don't get it. Like, how is people so shocked about the gifts and abilities that God is giving people when God said he was going to give it? So who's really not reading the Bible here, me or you? Anyway, when God is calling you, like I said, God is going to make it to be where his presence is everywhere in your life from the very beginning. From the very beginning of your life, you're going to have some type of presence of God. So people are going to be going to church. Now, granted, you know, I have my my things with the church, but it is what it is. The church is a very good start at the spiritual milk part. If you when you're a babe in the spirit, the church is a great place to be because it's going to capture you with the with the the vibe, right? The vibe of the Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but the vibe of the Holy Spirit, like this uplifting, positive, you know, warrior for God type of vibe, type of, you know, emotional support group where everybody comes together and they, they lay their burdens on the altar, right? And then they go, they, they sing praises to God and stuff like that. However, what we forget is that we're supposed to do that every day, it's not supposed to be just one day. So whether you were a seven-day Adventist or a Christian or, you know, Baptist, whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you've taken that one day to celebrate God, that's not enough. You have to celebrate God every day. And that's something that even I struggle with, like, just to remember to give thanks and glorify God, like, every single day. You feel me? Because we're in spiritual warfare every day. It's not just... Oh, you know, Monday was a hard day. I'm going to go to church Sunday and and make it better. Like, no, that's mad long. So now you went all those days without help, without guidance, without God. No, get in your, get in your car, get in your house, put on your prayer music, put on your, your Christian music, you know, get wrapped up in the Holy Spirit, cry, pray, this, that, speak in tongues. You know what I'm saying? Like, get into it because that is how you begin to walk towards God. See, when God is calling for you, like I said, God is going to put himself in position in your life. Now, the part where things start getting hard is usually the part where you realize that you are your own enemy and you've been your own enemy. Yeah, you might have enemies around you. They'll, they'll, they'll always be around. They'll always lurk. They have to. That's their job. If somebody is not hating you, plotting on you, or trying to hurt you, unfortunately, because we are still 
on the devil's territory, that they have to. They don't have no choice. They're going to get captivated by evil. They're going to get captivated by anger. They're going to get captivated by jealousy and envy and greed and gluttony. They're going to get captivated by it. They have to. See, when you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you could be filled with anything. Anything. Any kind of spirit can come and fill you. And it don't have to be every day. But if it's time to time, that's a problem. The spirit of greed should never be into a a Christian. The spirit of envy should never be into a Christian. Why? Because those spirits go directly against the Ten Commandments. If you don't remember no other law, the Ten Commandments is written in your heart. So when you get drunk off of these negative spirits... This is universal law that is written in the hearts of man all over the world. So when you violate this moral code, you're not only slapping yourself in the face, but you're slapping God in the face because you know better. You know better than to plot. You know better than to get carried away. You know better than to hurt other people. You know better than to envy people. You know better than to covet what other people have. Like, you know better than that. Right. So this is the part where when you are called is hard because now you start to think like, yo, that used to be me. Like or, you know, I did that or I, you know, I I had a time and I had a place and it's like, yeah, okay, so look at who was I think it was Peter. If if I'm right or or something like that, one of the disciples was killing Christians. He was killing Christians. He was a part of the other side. I think he was, um, was it Rome? I think it might have been, he might have been a Roman soldier, killing killing Christians. That was his thing, killing Christians, killing the Hebrew Christians at the time. And Jesus called him. There was uh, a tax man, a tax man who would overtax the people and, 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 and do this job that was hurtful, you know, towards the other people and bringing them down and bringing them strife. Jesus still called him. It was a, a prostitute who was filled with many, many demons. Jesus still called her, right? The person who's being called is not going to look like the person that's being called. That is the greatest deception. Jesus didn't even look like he was being called. However, because his spirit was on earth, everybody knew what was up. But Jesus was born, born in a manger, born, born in, in a shack, did he come in like a king, even though he was, he is the king of all kings. Did he come in like a king on a chariot? He never even had that experience. Or In his 33 years on the earth, he never even had that experience. Yes, the people who knew him and, and loved him, they celebrated him because they spiritually recognized who he was. But as far as like public recognition and this and that, he never had that. So when I look at like these mega churches and these mega pastors and mega this and mega that, I'm like, mm, that's that's not really in alignment with the most high. I, you know, granted, God can do whatever he wants. God can can uplift people, bring them down, put them on the highest of highest pedestal, knock them down to the very base pedestal. But there has if you are being called, your life has to follow the life of the Messiah. It has to. So you're usually born in humble beginnings or you can be born in very rich beginnings, but somehow some shape or some form, maybe your story is more like Moses. Maybe you were born into, you know, wealthy beginnings, but then you become humbled uh, by the experience because God is going to call you to see the other side of life so that you could get a little bit more acclimated with what other people are going through so that you could be more relatable. Right. Because at the end of the day, when you are being called by God, God is calling you to reach people. Right. It's like the game telephone, but the biggest telephone you could imagine in your life. But with a positive thing and with a positive word and a positive message that never change. It never changes. God's telephone game never changes. When God calls you, you call the others and y'all all on the same page. Everybody is everybody all got the same mission. They all got the same understanding of what's going on. Right now, the thing is, too, is that there is a part of the journey where you have to renounce certain people. So, for example, there was a time that Christ was, you know, maybe a teenager, you know, maybe 18, 19, and he was preaching. Right. You know, in his neighborhood. 
and his mother and his brother had came, but they didn't want to go inside while he was preaching. So it was all very symbolic. It was all very symbolic. For whatever reason that they didn't want to go inside, you know, you could put two and two together on your own, but for whatever reason they, that they didn't want to go inside, Christ was like, uh, they told, you know, um, the guard or whoever was there, hey, we want to speak to Jesus. And the guy's like, yeah, but Jesus is on a podium. So the guy goes in and tells Jesus, hey, your mother and your brother's outside. Jesus goes, listen, my mother and my brother would be inside because they wouldn't be missing the word of God right now. You know what I'm saying? He says he says some other stuff. <laughs> he says some other stuff, but for the main part, he was trying to say, like, no, they would be inside. They would be under my covering. They would be getting the word of God. They would be supporting me while I'm giving the word of God to all these people, right? So in a way, he kind of had to, like, disown them. You know what I'm saying? And that's another part of the journey that's very hard. It's It's disowning your past life. And I don't mean your past life as in a whole nother lifetime, but who you were before God called you. You're going to have to disown that. And all of this stuff usually happens before you are reborn, before you repass through the waters. This all usually happens way before that. Right? Um, even for like, like, for example, with Moses and Pharaoh, Moses was in that castle. And then all of a sudden, the man who he grew up with became his enemy, his brother. Right? The same thing for Jacob. The same thing for Abraham. The same thing for for Lot. Right? Like your past becomes your enemy because it's like it's like a role that they have to play. I don't know why, but it's like it has to be some type of adversary. If for example, Jesus' adversary was the devil, sometimes directly. Right? So you have to be strong to disown it. I think scripture says that if you follow me, you have to be willing to, you know, you have to be willing to lose, you know, your mother, your brother, your sisters, your aunt, your, even your husband, and your wife. I mean, if you following me, you feel me? You cannot serve two gods. Sometimes people like to play the role of God in your life. And if God is in your life, God is not going to tolerate other people trying to play God in your life. Like, no, because then that's going to put you in a weird predicament. Sometimes that might even split your moral code, right? So you can't, you can't have, you can't have two gods because you will love one and hate the other. Choose to follow God. When you choose to follow God, you have to just know, like, sometimes it's going to come with some, some losses, some rockiness, but you know, the best outlook is that they come with you. They follow you on your journey to seek God. Then... There's a stage where you get baptized, right? So I have not been baptized again, but I did get baptized. And um, I actually was baptized by the Holy Spirit. You know, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit um, again when I was on my, my Israelite journey. And... What it symbolizes is being born again, right? So when your mother is is pregnant, she's about to give birth, what happens? The water busts, the baby is ready, right? The final product is ready. It's the same thing when you get baptized in, in the spirit, you know? The whole purpose of you having to get baptized in the waters is for you to be reborn. It's all symbolic, you know? Here's the Here's a new product, here you know, away with the old wineskins, here's the new wineskin, right? Here's the new being, here's the new, the new Christ-filled or Holy Spirit-filled person, right? So it's all very symbolic. Um, and again, if, if you have not been baptized, I highly recommend that you do it. It's beautiful. I actually want to, I want to, I want, yeah. So <laughs> then, um, then it comes to a point to where you, you might be using your gifts. You might be using your gifts. So if you have prophetic uh, visions, you might be using them. You know, you might be helping others, warning others or guiding others. Um, if you have prophetic dreams, you know, about others, you might be telling people like, hey, I saw you, you know, I saw you get married. I saw you have a baby. Um, 
if you have you know the the gift of healing the sick you know whether that be reiki or even if you're a nurse like you know you're going to do it to the best of your ability you're going to do it with with a moral code you're going to do it righteously you're going to do it you know with love and that's going to make you you know the the best nurse the best doctor the best therapist the best healer because it is it is your gift it's your calling you know it's your way of helping the people um you know if you have you know business if god has prospered you with a business you know it's your duty to make sure that you're operating your business righteously you know not to overcharge people not to burden people you know not to do things uh mischievously it's it's like to just do things that are righteous to do what is right to do what is fair so that you're gaining money but also the people who are supporting you you know they're happy they're happily supporting you they're they're proud of their investment in you and in, in your business, right? Now, after you done did all that, right? Because technically Jesus turned the water into wine. He healed the sick. He, you know, he helped the blind. Uh, he brought back somebody from the dead, which we do that. Believe it or not, we do that, but we do it spiritually. Spiritually, we bring people back from the dead because when someone is dead spiritually and they come in contact with someone who has been called, someone who is chosen by God, you can speak life into that person by just reminding them who they are, you know, reminding them who who loves them, you know, who 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 uh, should they serve, you know, who should they follow. And you can bring somebody back to life like that, uh, exercising demons by using the sword, right? Ephesians 6 armor. When when you're encountering somebody who's under a demonic influence or demonic attack, it's not, you know, it's not exorcist like all the time. That's 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 just over exaggerated. Now, sometimes it could be sometimes it could be sometimes when you see people walling out, tripping out, flipping out, they're under some type of demonic influence. However, you can cast out those demons if you are guided to do so you know, by using the, the sword, you know, using word, using scripture against the demon, you know, putting a demon in his place. Or you could just completely take your power away from the demon altogether by fleeing, you know. Says, I think scripture says, uh, avoid, avoid the demon and he shall flee or something like that. It's so crazy because I usually know that one like the back of my hand. But anyway, it's like, it's like just don't give it your time and energy and let it flee. So we do that. <laughs> um, which is why, you know, again, sometimes I'm just so flabbergasted as, as to how a lot of people who claim that they're like pastors and preachers and leaders and this and that, they are so shocked and, and like, wow, about these gifts when it's like, wait, but all Christians have these gifts. Everybody who follows Jesus, everybody who's a disciple has these gifts. Everybody who's a missionary has these gifts. So why are you so shocked? Anyway, I digress. Now, here's the part about the gifts, though. They are going to bring enemies. They are going to be uh, bring enemies. So once people know, right, that there's something different about you, even if you haven't even used your gifts yet, but let's just say you're not as rowdy, you're not as gossipy, you're not as harsh, you're not as, um, you know, in the mix or you're not as drama, you know, like, like whatever it is, like when people start to notice that you're different, that's, that's a huge spiritual red flag for them. They start and they start to feel like, you know, you're an outsider and an outsider is, is against them, right? Because when people are doing bad things, they like other people to do bad things with them because then they don't have to feel guilty. They don't have to feel, you know, condemned or, or persecuted. However, that's all spiritual, but it is real. When people start to see that you're different or you're acting different, is going to make them look at you. It's going to draw a lot of attention to you, and, and you're going to get a lot of enemies, a lot of enemies, a lot of people who, let's say if you're you're given you know, scripture and stuff and you're reading the Bible, there's going to be a lot of people who are against that, a lot of people who are going to say, oh, but wasn't you just you know selling drugs or, oh, wasn't you just lying and cheating or wasn't you just like like they'll use your past against you something serious it's only it's just a way to bring down your armor it's a way to make you 
Hmm. It's a way to make you feel like, you know, you're not worthy. You're not called. But that is the a device and they are an agent of the devil, of the demon, of the under the underworld ruler. Because God would never do that. Why would God call you so far and then just to leave you? That doesn't make sense. No, but it's it's all a test. It's a battlefield for you to remember to put on your, your armor of God and just defeat them. So what? Yeah, I did do that in my past. So what? This is why it's very important for you to confess your sins to God. You know, give give your truths to God. You know, uh, write, write as many wrongs as you can. You know, if you're guided to do so, write your wrongs. You know, be be truly holy. You know, make things right. You know, apologize, forgive, so that you can move forward on your journey peacefully and freely. Um, as you know, we've seen it time and time again. We've seen, you know, people test Jesus. People you know, ask him questions. Oh, but, but what about the Sabbath? But what about this? But what about that? It's like they stick into some old program when God told them in the, in the Old Testament, I'm about to do a new thing. God had already told them that. But it's like when, when, when the time comes, people are not ready. And that's not a you problem. That's a they problem. And they have to take it up with God and not you. You are just a representative of God. You are not God. And that's something that humans have a hard time with because they don't see God, but they see you, right? So they'll just look at you like you're the problem, but you're not the problem. Um, yeah, so a lot of people are going to be testing you, asking you questions, pressing you, uh, trying to set you up, trying to put you in predicaments to show that like, you're, you're your old self or, you know, whatever. But no, you just have to forgive. You have to forgive. You have to be prepared to forgive at all times. And you have to move on the essence of love. Love is the most important thing. Love. Love. If, if you don't remember none of the other commandments or nothing else, love is the most important thing ever. So if you're doing something and it's not with love, think twice about it. <sighs> Betrayals. There are going to be a lot of people who are very close to you who will try to betray you who will sell you out to the enemy, who will, you know, go above and beyond to snake you, to make sure that you're still in poverty, to do witchcraft on you. But which, somebody doing witchcraft on you is a spiritual betrayal. It's actually very, 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 very bad. Very bad. People who rob from you, steal from you. It's like they want to keep you, they're being used by the by the enemy to keep you stuck so that you don't see the prosperity that God has for you. But the thing is that they don't understand is that if God allowed you to take something from me, whether that be a man, a house, money, whatever it is, then that, that it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. So the devil tricked you by letting you think that you were going to gain something up over me. But no, no, then you're just not for me. That's just not for me, or he's just not for me. And that's okay. That is A-okay. Um, as someone who is called, again, you're going to be called to live in your truth, to speak your truth, to tell your story, even if it makes you very uncomfortable, right? And we see a lot of that today. We see a lot of people using the internet, which was supposed to be created for bad, it's actually being used for good because people are spreading the word of God, you know? Um, for example, when when I used to be into like tarot and metaphysical things like that, believe it or not, it was those tarot card readings done by other Christian women that actually inspired me to get back close to God when I was being led astray. So this is why it's very important not to judge. Like, don't don't judge something that you don't understand, especially if you're still living in sin. You don't have the right to judge anybody. If you're not living righteously, you don't have the right to judge. You can know that something is probably not right, and you can try to, you know, really, you should probably just keep it to yourself. But in all actuality, when you're living righteously and you're doing everything right, then you could be able to come and say, hey, you know, this is a problem or that's a problem or, you know, just check this out or check that out. Right. But even though I no longer am into the metaphysical like that, 
I do appreciate that time in my life because like I said, when it was being done by Christian women, it was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that scripture. Oh, wow, I didn't know this. Or, oh, wow, I didn't know that about God. I didn't know, right? So be careful when you're being judgmental, okay? Um, another thing about you as somebody who is called is you are walking karma. Yes, you are walking karma. And that is one of the things about being about being called. When you're being called, it means that you may or may not be a spiritual judge. So you know how scripture is saying, like, you know, God sees everything, God hears everything, God feels everything. That's true. However, there are certain people called here on earth that have the duty of being a spiritual judge. But in order for you to be a spiritual judge, again, you have to be righteous. You have to confess your sins. It's like you have to be prepared for this job. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, it's like the Nazareth rite. And I mean R-I-T-E, right? Um, Which again, you'll notice that at some point of your journey, if you're taking, if you're being called to be a spiritual judge, you'll take it, you'll partake in some of these rites, you know, just naturally. Because like I said, I didn't really notice it for myself until after the fact. But you're walking karma. So what people don't understand is when they do things to you, when they plot on you, when they hurt you, when they betray you, when they lie to you, it's being recorded directly from your eyes, directly to the book of the Most High. Directly. So especially when you pray, if you get down and you pray about it, now everybody knows the angels, the 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 the, uh, the angels, the Elohim, um, the Cherubims, God, Jesus. Now everybody knows about it, right? Because you're uncovering it. But really, how they can make their right is by uncovering this in themselves and apologizing and making it right. Then that will erase it out the book. But when they just let it stand and they get harder and harder and tougher and tougher and they want to fight you and kill you more and more, is like they're just putting themselves on God's naughty list, right? And like I said, in order for you to truly be a spiritual judge, it's not your job to retaliate against anybody. Think about Jesus. Did you see Jesus retaliating against anybody? No. He may have flipped the tables when he saw that they were like making God's temple into some type of casino. But but in all actuality, you never seen him take any vengeance on anybody or nothing. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to um you're not supposed to engage, you know, negative for negative. No. Now, sometimes you might get caught up. Sometimes, especially as a spiritual judge who has a sword, if you have a sword, you can use your sword sometimes just to vent and people will feel like it's gossiping or people will feel like it's talking bad about another person. But you know your heart. However, you just need to watch your sword because you might be just venting and somebody else is like taking it as, oh, look, they said this or they said that. But no, no. It's okay for you to vent. However, it's just best for you to vent to God than vent to others. Because like I said, you have to remember that you have a target on your head. Once you once you are called by God, you have a target on your head. You feel me? It's like the devil put 10 bands on, you know, 10 bands on your head. And depending on how close you are to God, that that uh, that offer gets higher and higher and higher. So people are, are just wanting to kill you and attack you even more. So just you have to be very careful. But yes, as a spiritual judge, you are literally walking karma. So how people treat you is how God will treat them. And you don't have to sit back and wait for it. You don't have to watch for it. Nothing. All you have to do is just let them do what they do. But you have to make sure that you stay righteous. The minute that you are not righteous is the minute that, you know, you put yourself on a playing ground with them. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. They're going to tempt you. They're going to set you up. They're going to call you. They're going to screenshot you. They're going to put you on three-way. They're going to do whatever. As long as you are moving righteous, there is no way for you to get snared by the enemy's traps. No way. 
move righteous at all times and just remember that it is not up to you to to seek karma or to seek a judgment for somebody. No, you don't have to. Now, granted, if it's an emergency, you need to call the police or something like that, then yes, protect yourself. However, when somebody is doing something, especially things that are sneaky, things that are underhanded, you don't need to do nothing because God's seen. God saw them. God saw. God knows. It's been recorded. It's on their heart. It's on their soul. And if they pride themselves up to to want to stand in what they did, like if they the big bad wolf, God is going to show them. God is going to blow their house down. Right? So... You don't have to do anything, anything to venge your enemies. Nothing. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. God God could do something bigger and greater than you'll ever, ever imagined in your life. Ever. So there's nothing for you to do except keep living, keep, keep going, keep pushing. That's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to get stuck on a situation or stuck on a betrayal or stuck in a setup, stuck so that you could stop doing what you're doing, so you could stop preaching the word of God, so you could stop glorifying God, so that you could curse God, so that you could disobey God, so that you could put yourself in the crossfire. No, don't get distracted. And I have to say that for myself all the time. Don't get distracted by the enemy's devices. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to talk about you. They're supposed to gossip you. They're supposed to accuse you. They're supposed to persecute you. They're supposed to do that. If they're not doing that, then you are not truly being called. Especially if you are innocent and you are righteous and you are doing what you're supposed to do. And you don't have no enemies. I don't know. Right now, it's not that you want to make enemies. However, again, it's just like the scripture says, you know, they hated me. This is Christ talking. They hated me. So, of course, they're going to hate you on behalf of me. People don't like righteousness. People don't like truth. People don't like fair. People don't like justice. People don't like karma. Why? Self-explanatory. However... It's just super important for you to realize that no matter what is going to happen, no matter what people do, to keep your eyes on God. Even when you get the most devastating heartbreak betrayal in your life, keep your eyes on God. They, they They can do whatever they want. They will be fully persecuted by God fully there's nothing for you to do nothing except trust God and move on and keep it pushing God will take care of them God will avenge your enemies God will defend you God will go before you you will always be safe you will always be protected there's nothing for you to have anxiety about scripture says cast your anxieties and your fears aside and trust in me lean on me I got you And you'll know that God got you because you've seen God have your back time and time and time and time and time again. And it's never for us to gloat in what happens to our enemies, never. Because at the end of the day, what a lot of my enemies don't understand is that I've, I've had God's punishment, God's wrath be on me before. So why would I gloat about that? So I one, so that I could get punished? That's dumb. Stop lying on me. But two... Because God's wrath is is scary. <laughs> God's wrath is scary. God's wrath is is sudden and out of control and with tears. Like God's wrath is crazy. God had me read Obadiah last night, and and literally I was just like shocked, mouth dropped wide open. That's the type of God that we serve. God don't play that. If you're not righteous and you're not fair, God don't play that. God sees everything just because he's not going to take action right away, right now, right then, right there. That doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that he didn't see that it wasn't recorded. 
you could fix it. People can fix it. And this is why it's super, super important for you to have forgiveness and for you to be open, you know, to, to show people the fruits of the spirit because people can fix it. You don't have to let a wrongdoing be a wrongdoing. You could ask for forgiveness. You can fix it. However, people have free will and not all the time are they going to do the right thing. That's okay. That's okay. Their betrayals don't matter, honestly. It'll matter to your earthly self, but your higher self, your spiritual self is just a part of the game. Okay? Let's see. This might actually have to be a two-part series. Um, the calling. So you're definitely going to be linked up some way, shape, or form with other people who were called. And you'll know. You could tell. You could tell by how they talk about God. You could tell by how the fruit of the Spirit move in their life. You could tell by their humility, by their their genuineness, by their love, by their kindness. You could just tell. You could just tell that they are of God too. You could just tell. Right? So it is super important for It is just super important for you to be open. You know, when you see other people who have the fruit of the spirit, be open, give them a chance, right? You'll find that these are some of your lifelong, lifelong friends, lifelong family, lifelong, you know, people. Now, there also might be a period of isolation. For me, I have frequent periods of isolation. Frequent, 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 frequent. And why? Because I cannot run from myself. When I notice that I'm I'm going out more, I'm partying more, it's not all the time that I'm running from myself, but sometimes it is. Because I know that it's time to, to do an assessment. I assess myself. Which is why, like I said, when people accuse me or persecute me or lie on me, it's very hurtful because I check myself very harshly, mind your business, very harshly. And I make sure, you know, that I am living righteously and I don't cut myself no slack at all. So if I did something and I feel like I could have did it better, I'm going to go back, I'm going to fix it. If I try to find a way to get a little shortcut and cut a corner and, and, and it didn't even work out, I'm going to go and try to fix it. I'm going to go fix it. I even try. I'm going to go fix it. If I said something to somebody and I felt like it was too harsh, I'm going to go fix it. If I hurt somebody and I feel like, oh, wow, you know what? I didn't mean to hurt them, but I think I did. I'm going to go fix it. If I have a problem with somebody, I'm going to go fix it. I take the action necessary to fix things. Right, But in order for me to do that, in order for me to check myself, I have to, I have to make sure that I've spent the time alone to assess the situation. Right? I have to assess the situation. I have to make sure that everything is, is clear on my behalf. You know, I have to make sure that I did not stand firm, like how my enemies would stand firm and their actions against me. I have to make sure that I did not stand firm. If I'm wrong, I have to be hum- I have to be humble and, and have humility about it. You know what, damn, I'm wrong. My fault. The other day I did this and the people who know me know damn well that that's how I am. I don't hold on to grudges. I don't hold on to wrongdoings. That's not our job to do. It's not our job to make accounts of wrongdoings. That happens spiritually. 
But on the physical, we don't have time to do that. We don't have time to make accounts for wrongdoings. Now, granted, that's not to say that you're supposed to let somebody hurt you time and time again. Obviously not. But it's also not for you to just be walking around you know, with this, with this vibe, but that's why you need the time alone. You need the isolation time to get back in tune with God, to make sure that you're giving these burdens to God, to make sure that you're allowing God to lead the way, to make sure that you're allowing God to, you know, help you prosper you. But you have to have that time alone to read the scriptures, to have your dreams, to have your visions, to get inspired again, right? I'm going to come back and I'm going to do a part two, but I love you all. Talk soon.